thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Everything Jesus did was significant. He never did anything just to be doing it. For example, this would be his last gracious act in his Galilean ministry. This would be the last one. He had been with them for a number of months, even traveled back to Nazareth, and he was rejected by them, and for the most part in Galilee. They didn't want him. When they found out he wasn't going to overthrow Rome and give them back their sovereignty as a nation, didn't have anything to do with him. They weren't interested in a savior. They, they wanted some kind of a commander and general and conqueror who would overthrow Rome and give them back their freedom. This miracle is very significant in the fact that it was on such a large scale. Jesus had never done anything like this. There was probably 25,000 people there, maybe more, 5,000 men plus women and children. He had never done anything on this large of a scale. In fact, this is the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels outside of the resurrection of Christ. So it's very significant. And I, I want you to get in on it and enjoy it with me. Let's see what we can learn tonight, this miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And of course, not only does it apply to them, but it applies to our day and it has personal application. For instance, Jesus took all of his time and effort to provide one meal, one supper time meal, one evening meal for 25,000 people. All of, this, all of this effort and energy and time just for one meal. That's mundane. That's everyday need. But Jesus is the Lord of your everyday needs. Oh, it, it, it impresses me that he's the God of big things. I mean, I love to peer out into the universe and just see all I can with the naked eye. And then I love to read about it in the Bible, all the amazing facts about the universe and all the fullness of it. And that's impressive. But what's even more impressive and more personal, he's the God of little things. Amen. Your everyday living, things that most people wouldn't think God would care about. But he cares about everything. Remember when he healed Peter's mother-in-law of a fever? I mean, he went to all that effort. She had a fever. He healed her of a fever. Mundane, not to her, but in our way of thinking, that's not a big thing. But he's the God of little things. So don't, don't hesitate about running to him with everyday needs. Just go to him and talk it over. He loves to hear about all of your needs. Even if they seem insignificant to other people, they mean a lot to him. Amen. Amen. So let's look at just two broad things tonight. First of all, the need of divine truth. Verse 11, he spake unto them of the kingdom of God. You see that in the middle of verse 11? The need of divine truth. Oh, my. And here's what impresses me, Roger. He received them even though he knew they had rejected him. I mean, he loved them. He cared about them. He took care of their needs, and they had rejected him and pushed him back, and yet he received them and said, I'm going to take care of your need before I let you go this evening. I won't let you go away hungry. I'm going to feed you. But even more importantly, he said, I'm going to give you the truth one more time while I'm with you because I'm almost through 
with this Galilean ministry. He had been doing it for about 18 months. And he said, this is about it for you. You've rejected me for about the last time. People cannot continually reject the Lord, whether it be individuals, families, or countries. You cannot keep doing that. After a while, the dear Lord will say, that's enough. And he walks away. And that's the greatest form of judgment on any country is when God walks away and says, okay, you don't want me, you do it your way. The worst thing that ever happened to any nation on this planet is to be turned over to themselves and do as they please. They always self-destruct. Every time you look at human history, every nation's ever done that, they always implode from within. They self-destruct because God has walked away and left them to their own thinking and their own desire. We never want that to happen in America, do we? Oh, dear Lord, please never turn us over to ourselves. Please stay in this country. But what wondrous love and kindness our Lord had to this group of people who, for the most part, rejected him as Messiah. They didn't want anything else to do with it. They were just thrill seekers. They wanted to see miracles. They wanted to get in on it. They were self-serving. They didn't care about him. But he loved them wonderfully. Amen. Now, we don't do it that way sometimes. People that write us off, we write them off too, right? People that reject us, they don't like you. I don't want anything to do with you. Uh, you, you. You're just not my kind. We say, okay, you're that way. We're not going to have anything to do with you either. Jesus wasn't like that. He loved people that despised him. And we're supposed to do the same thing. And all way you can do that is by the help of the Holy Spirit. Am I right? You just can't love that way. I can't either. It's not human love. It's divine love. God loving through you. Loving people that just don't care for you at all. That's amazing. Now, how important is divine truth? Psalm 71, 22, I will praise thee for thy truth. Psalm 117, 2, thy truth endureth forever. Amen. Proverbs 23, 23, buy the truth and sell it not. And John 8, 32, Jesus said, the truth shall make you free. The greatest privilege for any human being to have is to hear the Word of God, to hear the truth. There's no, no more precious commodity on this earth than the truth, the pure, unvarnished truth of the Word of God. It will set you free. It will open your eyes. It will cause you to have a new perspective on life. It will give you joy and peace and love and contentment. Nothing can do that for you but the truth of the Word of God. Knowing the truth. I want to know the truth. How about you? I want to know the truth. I'm not going to take it second-handed. I'm not going to see what Dr. Fudge Face or Dr. Bottlestopper has to say. I want to know what the Word of God says. I want to know. I don't care what they say. I want to know for myself what the Word of God says. And I'm going to know. I'm going to study and study and study. I'm going to know this book. I'm not going to take anybody else's word for it. I have to know the truth of the Word of God. And that sets you free. That's wonderful. So he's giving them the truth of the kingdom of God. They didn't have any idea the privilege that was theirs for Jesus giving them the truth one more time. And they still rejected him. Even with that. John 6 and John's rendition of this and his record of this. 
He says in John 6, 66, after he said, I'm the bread of life, you're to partake of me, it says, and many of them turned and walked no more with him. They won't have anything else to do with him because they begin to bear down and make it personal and say, I want a personal commitment out of you. I want you to trust me personally as your Lord and Savior. And they said, well, we, we don't want to do that. We're just along for the ride. We're thrill seekers. We want to see your miracles, and we want you to feed us. But oh, how terrible that was. And it was such a very serious matter that Jesus said this later on about him in Luke 10, 14. It shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon than it will for you in the day of judgment. There are degrees of judgment, you know. The more a light a person has, the more responsible they become. And when they reject that light, it'll be worse for them in the day of judgment than for somebody over in New Guinea that never heard the name of Jesus. Honestly. And so here it is. Jesus is giving them the truth, and it's very serious the way they're turning it away. There's a second thing you'd like to know what it is. Amen. Amen. Not only the need for truth, but the need for daily food. And this really gets down to where you think, wow, Jesus does care about our every single need. Personally, personally, your needs at home, through your life, every day. Don't be afraid to go to him. Let's look at this a few minutes. You'll enjoy this. Uh, to me, this is incomprehensible. They didn't want him, had no interest in him personally, had already made up their minds. He, they were not going to reject, they were not going to receive him as their Messiah, and yet he opens his arms and he loves them like they are his own. He just loves them. And he says, you've gone with me all the day long, and that's toward the evening, you're tired, you're hungry, I'm not going to send you away that way, I'm going to take care of your physical needs, your personal needs. That is an amazing Savior. It really is. Verse 12 says as the day began to wear away, it was getting toward evening. They'd been there all day. And the disciples were getting observed. I mean, here's this massive crowd on the hillside. It was springtime, grass around. It didn't rain that day. It didn't rain it out. You ever thought that? It didn't rain it out because Jesus wouldn't let it rain it out and he controlled the weather. That was a beautiful day. And there they were, 25 plus thousand. And the disciples are already thinking, now wait a minute, we don't have the ability to take care of this crowd. We better ask Jesus to tell them to go on your way because it's getting toward evening in the dark. Well, it was amazing at the response <laughs> because Jesus didn't say that to them. He said, give, give them something to eat. You know what that did. It shocked those men. Give them something to eat. We don't have anything. We're out here uh, on the hillside in a place. There's no food line or food city or nothing around close. We can't buy anything for them. And we don't have the money anyway. We're disciples and everybody knows preachers don't ever have any money. Is that right, Brother Doug? <laughs> but you take good care of me here. I'm an exception. I've always got plenty. Thank you. But at any rate, here they were on this hillside and the disciples thinking like, you know, the human solution. And the human solution is send them away because we can't take care of them. We can't be responsible for them. And we're that way a lot, aren't we? About 
falling over on human solution instead of looking to our Savior. We get in a bind. You know what we do? Well, I've still got a left on my credit card. You know. Oh, by the way, did you hear about the fellow whose wife lost her credit card? It was stolen. And he didn't turn it in because the thief was using it less than she did. That's bad, isn't it? That's bad. But we get in a bind. <laughs> we might as well have a good time. You're here. But anyway, we get in a bind and say, well, let me check my credit card, see if I've got anything left on it. And then we say, well, I might have to take some out of savings, whatever that is. And then uh, I might have to take out a short-term loan. I don't know. But I know at times the Lord uses things like that to accomplish his purpose in meeting your need. But go to him first and ask him how he wants to handle it. He may want to do something for you that you never thought possible. So give him an opportunity before you run to the bank and ask him. He may say and give you peace about it. And you go to the bank, they work out something great. That's just as much of the Lord as if he did it directly. But ask him always. Ask him first. Now, when Jesus, when they came to him and said, send them home, here's what he said. He said, give you them to eat, verse 13. And they said, there's a little boy here. He brought his lunch. Any of you used to take your little sack lunches to school or to work with you? This little boy had a sack lunch. He had five little biscuits in it. They weren't canned either. They didn't know what canned was. They were homemade. Five biscuits and two little dried fish. And Jesus, in John's gospel, Jesus had the little boy bring him the lunch. He said, give it to me. And the disciples said, what is that among so many? And the Savior said, just, just bear with me a minute. You'll see. But anyway, after they behaved that way, Matthew's recording of it says that Jesus said to them in Matthew 17, 17, O faithless ones, how long have I been with you? They had already been with the Lord 18 months in personal ministry. They'd seen one miracle after another, including raising the dead. And now here they are, and they don't have a clue. Boy, did they catch on slow. Slow. Kind of like when we were growing up in Alabama, it took us an hour and a half to watch 60 Minutes. Just real slow. Y'all are pretty good tonight. You're doing all right. But anyway... There they were. He said, have them sit down in companies of 50, 25,000 plus people all over these hillsides. That's a lot of people yep. in companies of 50. And then he said, give you them to eat. And he took that. And these are the same hands that created the universe and the fullness thereof, sun, moon, stars, everything. He created everything. And in those hands, he took five little biscuits, two dried fish, and he fed over 25,000 people. I mean, it just kept coming out of his hand. Right there, he was creating it. There, in his, it was, he was creating it right there in his hand and feeding those. And you would have thought that multitude would have said, 
Wow, we need to look at him again. Nah. Still rejected. People are so hard and cold and blind. Are they not? But boy, the disciples learned something that day, and that was Jesus is enough for any situation. He is sufficient. They all ate till they couldn't eat anymore. I mean, they just stuffed themselves. And then there was 12 baskets left over, one for each of the disciples. And that's significant, and you've got a real thought there because they no doubt took that with them and used it later. And you could look at it like this. God can do a lot with leftovers. Amen. He really can. You feel like you're a leftover sometimes? That's all you've got to offer the Lord is leftovers. God can do a lot with leftovers. Amen. You may not be able to sing. I wish I could sing. I can't sing. I preach. That's all I can do. I wish I could play an instrument. can't do that. I can do that. You might can sing. You might feel like you can't sing. You might can teach a class. You might feel like you can't teach a class. But don't feel like you're a second-class citizen because the Lord can do a lot with leftovers. Amen. Am I right? Everybody in here has got leftovers. Yeah. Leftover things in your life that you think, well, I don't have a lot left. Well, He's Lord of what's left Amen. in your life. Let Him have everything about you that little old boy. Have you ever thought about that little old boy that gave Jesus his lunch? And that little boy's got wild-eyed. I'm starry-eyed. I know that little old kid didn't. He looked at Jesus, and he probably had more uh, perception than the rest of them did around there. And he said, wow, look at what he's doing to my lunch. And he fed that multitude with little of nothing. Little as much from God's in it, right? Amen. So here is Jesus feeding the multitude and whatever is in your world, whatever is going on, please don't feel like it is so insignificant that you shouldn't bother God with it. Oh, go ahead and talk to him about it. One evening meal, he went to all of that on that grand scale, one meal. That was it. He took care of them and he'll take care of you. Amen.